0: Hello, America. Good morning. Or afternoon. Evening. I suppose it's a podcast, so you could be listening to this at any time. At the 11th hour. 11.30. 11.45. Midnight. Midnight 15 or 12.15 as the Englishmen say it. Past, past the midnight hour. 12.30. 12.45. 1 a.m. Good noon. Half past noon, a quarter past noon, noon one, which is 1 p.m. 2 p.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m., or twilight, dusk, perhaps. The witching hour, although that's midnight, we did say that already. 9 p.m., have I mentioned 5 a.m., 6 a.m., the morning time? really any of this. You could be listening to this at any point. Now, I don't have a joke for the beginning of this. I've got no joke for Cloverfield, directed by Matt Reeves, written by Drew Goddard, produced by J.J. Abrams. So really, no matter when you're listening to this, it, it is a waste of your time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hate No Wait, the show where we look at movies and media from 2008 under the harsh light of a decade and change. I am joined today by new co-hosts. Uh, first, let me introduce Brian. Brian, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Oh, it's so nice to have someone answer respectfully, professionally, no jokes like I get from David all the time. Oh, it's great. Now, Brian, what did you think of the movie? Well, you know what I should say the movie. We watched Cloverfield. (laughs) We we watched
1: Cloverfield. That's
0: debatable. I I mean, Brian, short, short response. What do do you think? What did you
2: think of Cloverfield? Well, overall, I liked the the theme it was going for aesthetically, and that was like a on-the-ground perspective of a Godzilla-type disaster uh, monster attack movie, but... It it was really lacking in like character depth and plot and things like that. So overall, that stuff really hampered down my experience with the movie. It built itself, and portrayed itself as as realistic found footage take. But it was hampered by uh, popey aspects that kind of took you out of it. That we'll probably discuss later.
0: Sure, absolutely. Well, real nice, by the book response. Sure, we're gonna get that from our next guest. Let's introduce Jordan. Jordan, how you doing? Jordan
1: Ogihara, FBI, fearless bisexual in need of love and support. We love you. Hey, we Jordan. Support you.
2: <laughs> you are hey, hurt. Jordan. You hey. Like you that one? From- I came up with
0: that one last morning. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, what did you think of
1: Cloverfield? Uh, that shit is whack. Uh, <laughs> so, either of you watched Cloverfield in 08 or, or since? Nope. No, I think I saw the trailer, I think, at the time. I've... The trailer, they went ham on the marketing.
0: The oh, time. yeah. I remember seeing that um, that poster of Lady Liberty's head being gone all over. Mm-hmm. Not in the movie. No. Nope. No, no. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, we see Lady Liberty's head. We never see...
1: We don't see that full-scale image. No, we never yeah, see the well, shot. We see her, but she's
2: shrouded in darkness. I remember the shot, but I, I suppose it wasn't as full-fledged because it was in, like, pitch darkness. So The, the whole movie is very dark.
1: Uh, what,
2: that's not even... What, it's It's very dark, but also very lit- there's a lot of lighting.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to be jarring when they get to the to the hop to the military hospital and right. it's that giant burst of light, but the fact is that they were just using the night vision overexposed light on the camera in the tunnel moments before. So Cloverfield's only defining aspect beyond its marketing
0: blitz is the sort of found footage aspect, which it wasn't the first. It wasn't the first for sure. I mean Blair no, Witch, Blair Witch, Blair Witch was and before. Paranormal
1: was Paranormal be- was before. The first, oh, the yeah. first Paranormal was, and that was probably what gave them the green the green light to go ahead with applying the found footage aesthetic.
0: There are as if if any aspect of the movie works, kind of like Brian said. I think it is the ground level perspective of the destruction, the fear and utter helplessness of the characters. So I guess um, what, what syncs this movie, uh, probably two spheres, right? Our uh, characters and dialogue and the plotting. So let's start with the characters. Like the movie... <laughs> the <laughs> Yeah. This combo of rich white yuppies. Yeah. Not, they're not even all white, but they feel all white. And one half goth.
1: In the form of Lizzie Kaplan.
0: She and TJ Miller are the only really known figures in Mm -hmm. this movie. And TJ Miller was, I mean, he was not big then. No. Um, So it it starts at a party. They're uh, a surprise going away party. They're throwing for, I don't even remember, Rob. Rob. Um, Rob. Uh, And so you have Rob, his brother Jason, his best friend Hud, who's TJ Platt. Hudson Platt. These are some great names. Oh, uh, Hudson Platt is the one behind the camera. He's a real dipshit always. And then a girl who's at the party, Lizzie Kaplan's character, Marlene? Marlena. Marlena. Marlena Diamond.
1: Yes. (laughs) Diamond. These are some young adult... I don't even know why he says the surnames in the last two minutes of the movie at all. And then Rebecca McIntyre. So... Uh... Elizabeth McIntyre.
0: Elizabeth. So, they throw this surprise party, and there is a lot of just chaff. Just useless screen time at this party as they go through the weird relationship dynamics of Rob and his former best friend slash crush, Beth. For
1: an 85-minute movie. And, the, and this, is,
2: this is setting up the essential, like, driving action of the plot, if that's even the right term, in that... Rob is trying to pursue his this relationship with his like long-term crush. Well, and that's it, one of the problems. Like what this should be doing is
0: grounding us in the characters and making us enjoy them, right? This is the section of the horror movie where you meet everybody. This should be what gets us invested. But the writing is either bad or realistically vapid, however you want to interpret that. But it's not fun, and the characters are not enjoyable to listen to.
1: Well, what writer Drew Goddard is going for is, is extreme realism. But he hasn't come to the revelation that real-life people talking... Is uninteresting. That's why there has to be some level of stylization yes. outside
0: of the documentary world. There's so few lines in this movie that are memorable even at all. We, I mean, there's one joke. There's one joke
2: that lands. One
0: joke where uh, Lizzie Kaplan is walking down the stairs and T.J. Miller is being annoying. I don't which is a remember.
1: common. Which is a common. It's a common problem in this fucking movie. And he's asking her if she knows about Superman. He's like, "Oh
0: my God, you heard of Superman?" She's like, looks at him and goes, "Oh, are you aware of are you aware of Garfield?" <laughs> it, it, it was an oasis in this dry, dull movie. It's not impossible to listen to. It's not like, but like, it's not fun and it's not interesting.
1: They did everything short of a homophobic slur. It seems like to make these people's dialogue realistically vapid. Yes. <laughs> I guess we can talk a little bit about HUD, TJ Miller. Mm-hmm.
0: We're digging real deep to get any semblance of an arc here, but
1: he's kind of the goofy dumbass. It's such a poor choice to make the audience avatar the also the comic relief character. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah
0: it's it doesn't usually happen because it's a bad idea.
1: <laughs> like the voyeurism of HUD is not rooted. In anything psychologically engaging. It seems like he would be doing exactly the same things without
0: the camera than with. The camera makes no difference Mm -hmm. for him. But he's also weirdly possessive of it. And is like, no, we have to document this. Why? Like, his character is not that he's a glory hound or that he wants to be known. His character is that he's a comic relief and he wants validation. But that doesn't... You could make that work Mm -hmm. with
1: the voyeuristic urge of the camera... But the movie doesn't do it. It has, pr- it has do to the progress work. to the point where he gets even more possessive of the camera yes. and has to have even more control of, of what is being shown. But, and, yeah, and in they fact- had to
2: verbally uh, as you said, no, they had to yeah. verbally justify the, the fact that he his hand was glued to this camera the the whole time it, with that line you just said and I noticed that during the film I was like, uh. And then there's a scene when they're in the electronic shop that gets uh, broken into yeah. by looters where like they see the news footage, and the and the news cameras are getting, frankly, better shots than he oh, is. Oh, the news
0: cameras are getting everything. Like it, it would make sense if that became a threat. If uh, HUD kept kept repeating, no, we got to see. People have to see this, mm-hmm. and and their friend, his friends are like, what do you? No, they have all the
1: footage they need. Put this down and help me. Yes, but that's not what happens. It feels like hud's line of we have to document this people have to know was intended to be the soul of the movie because jj abrams producer jj abrams like his new hollywood contemporaries it has a fetishistic relationship with the cinematic medium the themes of Clo- cloverfield boil down to movie magic basically how so i'm um- because huds line and i kind of get what you're saying about they have all the footage they they need and but huds line and the reason why it is found footage is because this is producer jj abrams looking at cinema and saying cinema is the only way to capture real reality better than a factual newscast because interesting or it's supposed to illustrate internal struggle and the failures of humanity, its hubris, its foibles, in a subjective way, which does reflect on reality. That felt like it was a post HUDs line felt so, like the soul Right, so the
0: I movie. can see how you would like extrapolate that. But I feel like you're extrapolating it from J.J. Abrams and the line, not from the movie they made. Like that's what they wanted. Right. But that's not what they produced.
1: But it felt like that was to me Hud's line just kept reverberating in my mind people need to see this people need to document this because of course my gut reaction is okay why and then when you see the failure of their journey i kind of put uh, it, i, I, I kind of put it sure. together that the film is grasping at a larger theme about right cinema about cinema reflecting reality
0: sure and well well it's interesting that the movie tries to play to take this horrible gigantic tragedy and boil it down to a very very personal story of four people walking through the city. It can't resist the sort of um Roland Emmerich giant explosions. Yeah. It can't resist the monsters shaking off little monst, like little mantlets,
2: like <laughs> little tiny spider things. I, I call raptor them raptor alikes I call them little antibodies.
0: Yeah, 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 I mean it it can't stop itself from going for that spectacle, but it also wants to be a movie where uh, spliced in at what should be symbolic times, but really aren't, flashbacks of a, of a tape they're uh, recording over. In-universe, ex- diegetic flashbacks, basically, of Rob and his best friend Beth having a day at Coney Island and what that should be doing is helping us to really ground these characters in reality and make it an ultimately tragic story with a very like of a mythic disaster with a very personal angle but because the writing is vapid and the characters all suck and it's and there's no arcs and there's no <laughs> symbolism right. it just comes off as like masturbatory and boring and oh boring I guess that's a good I guess that's a good through line to start talking about Rob and Beth because there's not much else to hide. Right. I mean he he wants validation slightly but it doesn't ever become a threat he kind of wants Marlena but that doesn't go so well It doesn't go anywhere <laughs> it doesn't even get shut down it doesn't go anywhere The only time she's nice to him is is when she's in shock and then she dies <laughs> uh, Hud dies at the end not in a way that makes any sense no. or is has any symbolic meaning um he just gets eaten by the monster in a individual kill a face to face monster kill for no reason
2: yeah and this is a problem of the of the pope the 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 movies constantly battling itself over if it wants to be realistic or movie like in fun monster cuz it's more acceptable in something like Jurassic Park Semi sci-fi, semi fantasy type. It's a it's a fun film, so it kind of makes more sense that you'd have stuff like the dinosaur trying trying to chase them, like but not being able to outrun them on foot, or sure. like just barely missing them, or seeking them out individually, even though there's no real reason for it to. But here, because it's trying to portray itself as a realistic shot on the ground, we you have things like the the little uh antibody monsterlets we see in one shot. Uh, from the newscast where they start to overwhelm the military and then when they're uh stuck in a in a subway tunnel they creep up on them real slow and then they attack but only one person is bitten it was it was marlena they're set up to be dangerous but then these four people fight them off with no weapons like the at the end hud gets killed by the monster itself, rather than the monster just like walking over yeah, him, just like crushing he would. him
0: or fl- you know uh, debris. But no, the monster personally kills HUD for no reason. HUD's not attacking it. HUD is a human, and the monster is Godzilla size. It's an attack of contrivance, yeah. Rather than and and the monster, the the antibody attack is an interesting point because like they set up. I mean, they set them up earlier in the movie during the charge. During the charge of the military, which will, so there is a scene, a very funny scene, unintentionally, where Hud, Hud and the rest of the the young adults get trapped on either side of a street, where the military is performing what can only be described as a medieval charge <laughs> a down, down like Fifth Avenue. <laughs> with, they're running forward, screaming, firing their assault rifles, <laughs> and just trying out different weapons. One person has a bazooka and, like, drops, fires and it. Keeps escalates,
2: it escalates. It escalates <laughs> as That's more guys go by. <laughs> They're running
0: towards the monster. They're not using cover. They are. It is so stupid. It's wonderful. Uh, I wish the movie had more ridiculous elements like that. But So then we see these antibodies attack, and we know they're going to come back. We know they're going to go into the subway, and the danger is going to be the antibodies, not, I don't know, the subway collapsing due to the monster.
1: It has to invent another threat for some reason. And
0: the antibodies don't kill them, and they never show up again and don't matter. They're, They're there for one action scene, and then they're taken out. The weird thing to bring in. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about HUD. So I guess we'll jump to Rob, because he provides the thrust of the movie. Mm-hmm. Rob, uh, Rob and his brother Jason are, the, I guess, the family this party's around. Rob had a, um, a, fling. a a fling, I guess, with Beth, and then didn't call her back. And so he has a fight with Beth um, and her boyfriend Travis Ben Feldman from Superstore <laughs> in Silicon Valley. Weird I, cameo, and they gone forever.
1: <laughs> that might be how TJ and him met.
0: Maybe, honestly, maybe. Probably. And so they start trying to leave the city to get through the bridge and Jason, um, Rob's brother and Lily's fiancé gets killed by the monster. The monster's tail yeets the entire I don't remember which (laughs) it was. It was the Brooklyn Bridge. The Brooklyn Bridge and it gets destroyed. So already we have now seen probably thousands if not hundreds of civilians get killed. Instantly. Utterly. And Rob decides that he is going to, because he gets a call from Beth who's hurt, that he's going to Go back into the city to Midtown, deep in Manhattan, to save Beth. And through, I guess, inertia, um, (laughs) Hud and Lily and Marlena, just a random person at the party who Hud hit on, are dragged along with it. They do not follow any other civilians. They go back towards the monster to do this. Now, obviously... This is suicidally stupid. This is weapons-grade dumb. And a better movie would point that out. A better movie would, go- would either make it, this guy is an idiot and his ego is forcing his group to get themselves killed to save Beth. Mm. Or a better movie would say, it's worth it. It's worth it to risk all our lives to save one person, and it's worth
1: it to document it. You know what I realized is uh, yesterday... Is that it's a Werner Herzog style mission?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. It's very much a doom trek into the unknown,
1: right? And led by one man fueled by an egotistical drive to do better for only himself. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, it's Fitzcarraldo. It's a Klaus Kinski role, (laughs) sapped of all energy.
2: Yeah, because as you as you said earlier, ultimately this this quest wasn't for Beth's sake but was for his sake because he like, he couldn't live with his personal guilt of s- standing her up and then not following through and then not having the closure with himself, even though it's incredibly dangerous and unrealistic to
1: try to go find her again. Exactly. It's his chance to make good. And by the end of the movie, he's absolved of all blame, which <laughs> is, which is disproportionately nice. He so they do eventually get to Beth after
0: after Marlena is killed by getting a, a bite from a monster, monster from an antibody and then <laughs> <laughs> From an antibody catching on. and then her head explodes or the military kills her, it's very unclear. Uh, they have to walk up a collapsed building that's leaning on another one but still has power. Somehow, including a wonderful, unintentional, hard-cut joke where they have to walk across a collapsing section of the building over over nothingness, 39 floors up or whatever. They start to slip, and then there is a hard cut to them safely on the other side, which we are all sure was <laughs> the editors and Matt Reeves, the director, in the editing bay going, Oh, shit, how are we going <laughs> to... No, there's no, there's no way they can do this. I Drew mean, they, wrote
1: this impossible scenario. <laughs> Drew,
0: Drew wrote this ridiculous thing. We don't have time to reshoot the whole scene. What if we just cut it? <laughs> it looks too dumb. What? Just hit the cut button. Movie was gonna be 90 minutes. Now it's 85. <laughs> nice fleet movie. Let's do it. Cut it. Cut the whole thing. <laughs> and now they they find Beth. Beth is impaled on Reba. <laughs>
2: Right, right through the shoulder.
0: There's a
1: hole in her. Beth is
0: dead. I mean, she's not dead yet, but she is. She so might fucked. be. <laughs> she, yeah, a tiny piece of rebar has through her shoulder. They pull her off of it, and she like she screams
2: once, once. immediately after it's out, and then it starts like whimpering in like stub toe pain.
0: And. The last time it's, like... <laughs> That's it. And then she's, for the rest of the movie, she's fine. She has an open wound that should be gushing blood until she passes out. And and there she is,
2: traipsing down the stairs, shot next. (laughs) Uh, It's absurd. And this is part of the the Popey contrivedness of this movie, in that they shouldn't have found Beth. And if they found her, they shouldn't have found her alive. And they shouldn't have found her on the on the 57th floor of this collapsing it was, building. There was it a terrible no and sense.
1: cruel death fake-out of the discovery <laughs> yes.
0: of Beth. Like, all of this would be fine in a pulpy monster movie. Oh, it's a flesh wound. Oh, they found her on the 60th floor. Right. But this is supposed to be realistic. And I think that pulls us into the 9-11-ness of this movie (laughs) it's 2008 we're gonna talk about 9-11 a lot on this show (laughs) this movie is so clearly using the aesthetics of the tragedy to boost the horror which can be done well spielberg's war of the worlds did that very well updating an older story with a new disaster But this...
1: That means that it does maintain Wells' original xenophobic...
0: Yes, it does.
1: uh, ...precepts.
0: (laughs) You're not wrong. Here, it's not interested in grappling with any of the meaning of 9-11, any of how people really reacted to it. All at once is the fear of being on the ground. Yes. And to be honest, I think Brian and I agree, it it does that okay in some moments. I mean, the first attack when they see buildings going down and dust hits everything
2: and powers out. I And I think that dust was from the monster just collapsing the Chrysler building. Yes. Very, very quickly. I was surprised at how quickly they they got they got rid of the Chrysler building. They get
0: most of the major destruction done in the first thirty minutes. They take out Lady Liberty's head, the Chrysler building, Brooklyn um,
2: Bridge. Brooklyn
0: Bridge. And the rest of it's mostly little shit. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't go too hard like after that point. So at first, for that brief forty minutes up up until the bridge, I was on board in concept, not with the characters. The characters still suck, but of just humans <laughs> trying to survive an unfathomable disaster. Mm-hmm. And because of how bad the party scene was, I'll take it. Give me destruction. Give me death. At least something's happening. Um, once it <laughs> Jamal becomes, was like, "Yes, burn, <laughs> burn all of, all of you, kill them all." But once the Beth mission becomes the focus, it, it kind of cuts its its own like fe- cuts itself off at the knees.
2: It kneecaps itself.
0: <laughs> it kneecaps itself. Again, a better movie. Regard. I mean, she'd be dead, yes. or they'd
1: never find her. It would or be her- the moment of, in screenwriting terms, the Dark Knight of the Soul. When Rob discovers that the woman he tried to save is beyond rescue. Right, and he's gotten his friends killed in this mission. And he cannot be absolved from that point forward for his idiocy and ego.
0: Sure. Or you could do what a Better Movie 2012 does... 2009s, 2012. I mean, Roland the aesthetic it's
1: really chasing is, is Roland Emmerich. Yeah, it, beyond World Trade Center. Absolutely, propaganda. it
0: it wants it very much wants to do Independence Day, but darker, which 2012 already did. Well, well, not,
1: they didn't do 2012 in 2008.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they did not no not.
2: Right. Um, yeah, that movie was pretty pulpy, too. I,
0: I love, uh, yes, it's pulpy, and I like it so much
1: more. That's, em, that's m because m- right. it, it, M-O, because it traffic yes. Because it, yes. in in it leans into it. Oh,
0: aggressively, every second of that movie is ridiculous, and I'm into it. 2012 ends with a ridiculous call for unity. This movie could have done that. It could have done something like, they find Beth and they escape, and it's, we had to document this. They could have gone for ridiculous, over-the-top
1: pulp. But instead, it just copies the end of Blair
0: Witch Project. Yeah, it it gives us the fake-out and the excitement of our pulpy escape, but then they have to die anyway. hmm And so
1: it just feels like nothing.
0: Yeah. It just feels disappointing and, and sort of unhappy.
1: It's nihilistic, (laughs) condescending, mean spirited. It it seems
0: to nobody seems to be liked by this movie. There's no No. like New York resilience in this movie.
2: No, because it's too focused on these three, uh, on these four people. On these four, you forgot
1: about Lily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about Lily?
0: Lily is bitch.
1: What about
0: (laughs) Lily escapes? Okay, one of the four, uh, five, including Beth, escape. Lily happens to get on another helicopter and escapes. There is no symbolic reason she's done nothing better than the others. No she thematic. should escape. No thematic reason she should escape, and they don't. Which again, in a she's better the woman of color. In this movie <laughs> about New York. Hey, if one person has to get out, a better movie could make that a theme. Oh, mm-hmm. she lived; they didn't. Luck of the draw. Right. But but this movie doesn't. Because it immediately after their helicopter goes down has a like nakedly sentimental scene where the characters give a testimonial to the camera before they're like Lannister crushed by Rob. (laughs) So there were testimonials in the party scene that are supposed to be for Rob and I guess that's also playing into the thematic document aspect yeah but all those are jokes and they're bad jokes it's, again i think it
1: only serves to set up the found footage concept a better movie would
0: compare and contrast the humorous dumb testimonials from the beginning with the deeply serious tragic testimonials at the end absolutely no and i
2: think they try to do that a little because um they do try because um what's your name I forgot. I keep forgetting her name, Beth. Beth is like, ah, <laughs> yeah. Beth oh, at she's the so end. Memorable. At the end, she's like, I don't know what to say, which kind of mirrors what Marlena said at the beginning when she was being harassed by Hud for, <laughs> for a testimonial for a guy she didn't, she barely knew. And now, now it's the woman that that knew him the most is the one who doesn't know what to say in this horrible situation. But it doesn't. Oh, well, you're giving the movie pre- so <laughs> much. You're giving
1: the movie so much credit. <laughs> But there's I, no I, gravity to the moment. You no. don't feel the landing of
0: Absol- it. Absolutely, I can absolutely imagine Matt Reeves and JJ Abrams in a writing room saying, did "You exactly just say JJ Abrams." <laughs> I did. And JJ Abrams do- saying exactly what you just said, Brian. Absolutely. But they didn't make the movie that does it. Beth has no character. She's just someone to be rescued and then die. Marlena has ten percent character because she's done with Hud shit for the movie.
1: I mean, Lizzie, it's just Lizzie Kaplan Lizzie doing Kaplan's, her deadpan snarky thing.
2: trying. She was the most interesting and oh, got yeah. the, the most annoying death in that, like... She you, should have been something. She, and sh- she, sh- she should have been something. And she. if anything, it makes more sense that she would have been the one to survive. Because, uh, uh, Lily being the one... <laughs>
0: Sorry, hold on. It's very—it's so funny. <laughs> but Brian, Brian has to keep Brian has to keep unlocking his phone to check the names of the characters because he can't remember I can't. it. I really can't. No, it's not your phone. <laughs> the movie. I I don't know how I'm remembering any of them. <laughs> it's but a really good psychic. I
2: I bet some people could have. Uh, Does not translate to the audio. Nope, no audio medium. <laughs> Some people would argue that, oh, Lily getting out is the random luck of the drawn nature, but the problem is it doesn't even make sense. Because, as I said before, she was the first one tackled by the monsters. She both survived and had very little scratches while while, uh, Marlena got... Fucked up by uh, claws. Yeah, even though she was possibly attacked the least after having saved Hud by by whacking off one of of the monsters off with with a (laughs) piece... With a piece of pipe.
1: Come on, guys. I'm
2: sorry. I'm like, <laughs> wild. That's,
1: that's staying
2: in. And the the fact that, that these monsters, these little monsters, their bite was poisonous or some... It caused some sort of effect the, where... The little
0: fuckers do something where, they, like, <laughs> they infect you. Their bite, like, it, it supposedly infects you, but we learn nothing about it. And it seems to, like, it's se- very quickly infect Marlena... And then she either dies, blows up, or is killed. It's unclear. It, it, mm-hmm.
1: Like,
2: it looks like her head explodes, but that didn't have any thematic relevance yeah. at all. It was never brought up again. No one was ever more afraid to get bitten than before they were. Or, like, speculated the other con- the consequences of being attacked by those things. It was just kind of like an extra little thing that was like, vaguely similar to aliens for no real reason. Like, it would have made more sense that she just died of blood loss or something.
0: Yeah, the, the whole infection bit came out out of nowhere and made no impact on the movie if lily had been killed in the in the um, subway that would have worked right her fiance had already died another person in, in rob's crusade and she had been on board with it marlena living since she was the only one who was separate from this and has not quite disgust for hud but clearly does not like hud doesn't <laughs> care about rob or beth Is just sort of friends with lily
2: she is the audience
0: she is the audience. It's not HUD. It's Marlena. Yes. But Marlena escaping would have made thematic sense, but that's not what they do. And I'm pretty sure writer Drew Goddard was working under a, oh, it's all random. That's, that's part of it. Right. The same reason the writing has no stylization. It takes a lot of skill to make randomness entertaining. Yeah. This movie does not have a lot of skill.
1: Well, you have to ramp up the absurdism to the point where it becomes stylization.
0: Yes, and this movie is opposed to stylization in any form except destruction, mm-hmm. which I think is it's one of its biggest downfalls. Right,
1: which almost makes it a net bad as <laughs> far as an effective movie. I, you know
0: what, actually, we're going to take a little break. Uh, and then we're going to come back. We'll talk about uh, how this movie was received, whether it could be made today. Uh, maybe we'll touch on a few more modern monster movies and then we'll wrap up. in fact back. In fact back. Not just back. Back in fact as well as in fiction. That's the fact. Ooh. <laughs> Guess who's
1: back in the house. Guess who's back in the house.
0: Alright, so this movie, as we discovered while recording this, looking
2: at Brian's phone where he checked the character <laughs> names, on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> still has a 70 cent pr- <laughs> 77% <laughs> approval like
0: 77 critic percent critical incredible. approval and a 68% S- audience
1: certified score. fresh unbelievable vapid wow. hateful
2: it's a sort of blair witch project crossed with godzilla cloverfield <laughs> is economically paced Ugh stylistically clever,
1: and filled with scares. Holy shit. Filled with scares?
0: I don't think I jumped once. Did we watch
1: a different movie than the copy editor?
0: I have to imagine, I will say.
2: It was a different time.
0: uh, uh, Well, that's the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If I saw this in the theater knowing nothing going in, uh, it would be more effective. Only way this movie works is with complete surprise. Yes. Uh, Which is not... An endorsement,
1: because <laughs> right. and if you don't know any of the actors either,
0: yes, I mean, these were close enough to unknown that you could that your average American is not going to know who they right. are. Uh, seven years after nine eleven, like you, I could see how this would make an impact. Then watching it now, I mean, there's not there's nothing to it. There's nothing at all. No. no. What did they say? Cleverly, economically paced. Economically, okay. paced. that all they mean is that it's short. It's not well paced.
2: It drags. There are like three separate places where it seems like it was ending and should Mm -hmm. have ended, but didn't end.
0: It has the return of the king problem in an eighty-five minute
2: (laughs) long except worse (laughs) because again, it's more of that stupid pope. Because what was the first one when they got on the when they got on the helicopter and it seemed like okay they're no the first one is when they thought
0: Beth was dead, like. The the screen goes to black at one point. Then they get on the helicopter. Then the helicopter goes down and they all survive. Not the pilots. The pilots who are strapped in do not make it.
1: Rob got a bum leg.
0: Rob got a bum leg. Beth, with her rebar shoulder, pulls Rob out with HUD. They live. Rob or uh, Hud forgets the camera and goes back to get it. When the monster personally ganks him, like yeets eats him up with his mouth and crushes him and drops him. Doesn't Another him. fine ending point. Yeah, would have been fine. The cameraman dies. Good ending. Sure, Rob and Ben walk away, sound. probably yeah. die. But but of course, again with the pulp, they have to have their running theme of. Uh, the city is going to get nuked by the military.
2: And I'm the, not even sure it even ended with a nuke. I think they just dropped bigger bombs on it. I think they it. just dropped bigger bombs. <laughs> they didn't even give us that. They didn't even nuke New York. Come on. And again, there's no
0: there's no thematic relevance to the military whatsoever, except perhaps powerlessness. But the military are still shown to be like Badass.
2: They when, show, they're, when they're up in the helicopter, they, almost getting away, the, the military starts uh, bombing They seem the like a, a
0: very lovingly shot stealth bomber when uh-huh. people thought that was
1: a The
2: cooler. fully operational
1: <laughs> military hospital? Yeah!
2: And they're like, yeah, we got him! We got him! And and then the, the monster jumps f- like 200 feet to personally take out their helicopter that was somehow close enough... To, to the, the helicopter, monster, it does didn't not make it The helicopter
0: is shadowing the monster. This is a helicopter full of civilians. It's not flying away. It is shadowing around the monster. The monster does a villain reveal leap out of smoke and darkness to smash this helicopter, which again, is not shooting at it. Like, it's not like, you know, King Kong squatting flies. He like goes after it, doesn't blow it up, just knocks it out of the air. They have, like, a Call of Duty helicopter crash and drag themselves <laughs> out. HUD is killed, and then we have Rob and Beth do testimony, ugh, testimonials about how they're going to die, and if they help anybody sees this. There's more explosions, and the tunnel collapses on them, because, again, don't go underground. No. Don't go under things.
1: No. What? He got attacked in a subway. Earthquake That's rules. just another tunnel.
0: Now, on the other hand, the monster did personally kill HUD, so maybe it's out looking for, for <laughs> civs. it's going to kill them all. So then they die, and the final frames, the final frames of the movie... Are a, are another diegetic flashback to to Beth and Rob and better days on Coney Island. And as I learned from Wikipedia, you see something drop into the water behind them. The,
2: the way it was framed, looking at the water, I thought we're like part of me thought that we were gonna see something, but I also thought that wouldn't make any sense because the monster attacked later. So weeks later.
0: The marketing of this movie was heavily focused on what happened and the mystery, the sort of yeah. like x files what's going on, which is something that the later Cloverfield extended universe has looked at. But the, the movie Cloverfield is not interested in that. No. It's not interested in what the monster can do or what the infection is. It's not interested in why it's there. It's interested in four useless idiots. I mean, I guess that that brings us into our could this be made today? Which I think we've said no. I mean, so you know, found
1: footage has lost all of its cultural cash. Found cache. footage is just another type of movie, and it's rare. It's <laughs> usually not good, um, especially found footage horror, which has just become over over abundant. Absolutely. And then with the, the popularization of the VHS movies, which sort of represent the apex of the full yeah. there's hardly anywhere for horror and found footage to go. And to go back to Cloverfield would be regressing. Yes. Not to mention, again, we talked about the
0: surprise and the 9 11 ness of the visuals, mm-hmm. which have fallen out of favor. Roland Emmerich Disaster has fallen out of favor. Absolutely. Godzilla, both 2014 and King of Monsters this year, have really, especially in their marketing, pulled a lot of the elements of Cloverfield out. Mm-hmm. The mystery of what these monsters are and where they come from. The monster design of the Mutos, the Mutos, the like little enemy monsters in Godzilla 2014, are very in Cloverfield. Hmm. They look really similar to this creature. They also
2: showed the Cloverfield monster a lot earlier and more than I thought they were going and to. It doesn't I thought, look good. And I, I thought the point was going to be we only get short, partial glimpses of this thing.
1: Honestly, what Godzilla that's 2014 what does? Do oh my know? god! Do you know what the monster looks like? Do you remember in Spy Kids two Island of Lost Dreams the gorilla tarantula? <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. Um, Godzilla 2014 does this better already like it
1: yes, like Godzilla it, 2014 centers the human drama but that's a standby characteristic of the entire Godzilla franchise going back to Honda ishiro's originals
0: yeah and they also they, they have so much more uh they spend a lot of time uh setting up Godzilla we don't get to see him very often and when we do it's appropriately epic here they show the monster almost willy-nilly there's like five minutes where we're like what is that and we see it and it's not that exciting like the design seems unfinished <laughs> it, it, it it looks worse than the district nine bugs a year <sighs> later uh, no the movie couldn't be made and if it was i think it would be ripped apart i think it would not get a 77 it'd have to
1: come from the indie scene sure there would have to be like just like so many like The factors that would have to make it acceptable contradict one another. It would have to be from the indie scene, but it would have to have better spectacle. It would have to be more pulpy, but it would also have to have more fleshed-out characters. Anything that could make it better would contradict another element of it, because Cloverfield is inherently shite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, and I think that wraps us up pretty well. I mean... It did spawn a couple other movies. 10 Cloverfield Lane is by all accounts pretty good. John Goodman, my husband, of course, is in it. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> a hero. Another dude. Someone who looks
1: like Reeve Carney or John <laughs> Hawks.
0: <laughs> 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 and then there was the Cloverfield Paradox, which apparently wasn't great. I didn't mm-hmm. see it, nor did
1: the world. Space effects might be at least It'll look closer better. to
0: spectacle that I'm sure, looking for. absolutely. At least from a
1: monster movie.
0: And I mean, is it good no Mm-mm. has not
1: has not aged well which comes i guess to our rating to our rating system what did you give it i gave it uh i gave it twin towers out of 5
2: i gave it 3 starks out of 8 <laughs>
1: i i what did i give it um
2: uh, was it also
1: game of thrones related no what an Yours was like three Cloverfield. Yeah, I think you were out like, out like one Cloverfield of, out of ten or so, uh, Out of ten Cloverfield lanes or something. I, it's,
0: <laughs> man, whatever it is, it sucks. It's not good. Don't watch <laughs> it. All right, this has been Hating 08. Our first actual episode where we hate 08. And this is uh, bad. So uh, happy first episode, guys. So glad you could join
1: me, Brian I wish and I could do... It was great. I demanded that I be put on the episode with Mamma Mia so I could talk about positive things like Mamma Mia here we go again. Do you and I was on. roped into <laughs> watching a movie I don't like and disseminating negative criticism. Both <laughs> things that I avoid like the plague. I love
0: negative criticism. Next time you'll be on Mamma Mia don't even worry but about it. You just it. gave retic-
2: uh, it a <laughs> criticism. All
0: right.
2: All right,
0: that's it. Bye bye. <laughs> hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed listening to episode two of Hate and no Aid as much as we enjoyed making it. More episodes, as well as bloopers, are coming soon, so keep an eye on wherever you heard this one. Huge thanks to my fantastic guests, Jordan Ogihara and Brian Hargraves. If you liked Jordan in this episode, Take a listen to the podcast he co-hosts, Robots Into Guys, an experiment in critical analysis where one man, his partner, and his college roommate attempt a queer reading of Transformers. Also, if you've been enjoying Hayden 08, check out my other podcast, All Systems Argo, where co-host Jess Hassell and I take a never-ending dive into the very specific qualities of 2012 movie, Argo, and compare it to the Best Picture winners of the past, present and future you can find robots and guys and all systems argo wherever you get your podcasts hate no weight was edited and processed using alitu and the music in this episode was helping hands by brazmatazz thanks so much for listening catch you
1: next time